In today's episode, you're learning Brandon Fong's Magic Connection Method. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. Uh, we've got a really, really awesome episode on the way. We've got a really awesome interview. You're going to love what we've got. But before we get there, quick update on my product, the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. I'm so pleased to report that it's getting so much positive coverage, so many positive reviews, just a lot of goodwill around it, a lot of people happy with the methods in the book and what they're learning from it. And of course, we've also got some recent features in some major articles. We've got USA Today article called 20 Reading Suggestions for a New and Improved You in 2021, in which the book was featured. But it was also in Forbes in an article titled 21 Books to Read in 2021. Again, both are, of course, awesome mentions, and I'm glad people are learning about the book. But even more important to that, I'm really grateful for the positive emails that I'm getting from people letting me know how the methods are really working well for them, how the content's really resonating, what they're really getting out of it. So thank you all for the continued feedback. I really do appreciate it. And if you have not gotten the book yet or not checked it out, you can feel free to go to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That will auto-forward you to the Amazon listing where you can get it on Kindle or paperback or Audible, whichever is your preferred format. And if you don't want to pull out your wallet, you can just go ahead and check out my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Cap. It's all content that's in support of the book. So I teach new methods. I have a few feature interviews just in terms of Law of Attraction experts and a few other welcome surprises as well. So again, feel free to check that out. Regardless of whether it's the book or the YouTube channel, I'm really just grateful to have you on board and have you consuming the content, and I hope you like it. With that said, let's get into today's featured interview. Brandon Fong is the founder of Seven Figure Millennials, where his mission is to inspire millennial entrepreneurs to pursue big financial goals while still prioritizing their happiness, health, and relationships. He's also the creator of something really special. See, after over three years of managing an email list with over 100,000 names that resulted in millions of sent emails, Brandon discovered his own unique formula for compelling people to take action. After all, we're all bombarded with crappy, uninspiring messages into our inbox each and every day. So Brandon worked to figure out a way to truly stand out while simultaneously developing genuine relationships so that anyone who learned what he taught could use it to succeed in their business as well. His perspective is that at any point in time, you're only one connection away from reaching the next level in your life or business. And it's with that in mind that Brandon created what he likes to call the magic connection method. I'm sure he's got a lot of wonderful insight today to share with us, and I really can't wait. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Brandon Fong. Brandon, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Welcome to Shatter the Mold. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. I I always have a, a good feeling in, in certain ways about where a conversation might go and the kind of gold nuggets that might be emerging in, in through the conversation. And I already know that we're going to go some really awesome places here. But what I want to start with really was asking about your story. Like, I'm, I don't often do this, but I think it's a perfect segue knowing what I know about you. So I really want to first kind of, you know, hand it over to you, invite you to kind of like let the listeners know really your background and where your winding path kind of took you up until this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I know sometimes as an interview, it's always fun to ask 
at the height of the action, uh, you know, asking a very specific question. But I think my story is a great place to start. So uh, my story starts at Wisconsin Hills Middle School. So every single day, what would happen is the lunch bell would ring. And if you can imagine from when you're in middle school, just picture your middle school, the hallways kind of just get jammed with all the crazy middle schoolers. And if you look closely at Wisconsin Hills, where I was, you would see little nerdy Brandon. And I have a, 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 a picture I keep on my desk. I had Bugs Bunny teeth, um, you know, like kind of nerdy little looking glasses. And he'd be and I would be lagging behind everybody else, kind of procrastinating on my way to lunch. And you may be listening to this, you may be wondering why the heck would any sixth grader procrastinate on the one time that they get freedom in the day when they get to hang out with their friends at the lunch table and all that stuff. And the reason why is because I would go through the lunch checkout line. I would have my little plastic tray on my, uh, you know, filled with the chicken nuggets or the curly fries or whatever it was for the day. I'd set it down next to the lunch lady. And then I'd type in my student ID. And then up on the screen would pop the words, Brandon Fong, $0 and zero cents. And the reason why it showed that is because I my family qualified for the free lunch program at school. And I was just super embarrassed by that. Like I didn't want my friends to find out some days I would try to distract them. I would just, you know, try to make some funny jokes so they wouldn't look at the screen or some days I would take an extra, extra time in the bathroom before I went through the lunch line. So there was nobody else there to see it. But um, the reason why I tell that is because I used to be super embarrassed and ashamed of the fact that we didn't have the right resources growing up. But what my parents taught me from a very early age, I'm so grateful for everything that my parents did for me. And they taught me that if you want to be successful, it's not about having resources. It's about learning how to be resourceful. And one of the things that my parents showed me was how to make genuine connections with people. And they would let me skip school when I was 16 years old to go to local networking events. So I would be this 16 year old, you know, in this room talking with people that were literally four times my age, learning how to have, you know, intelligent conversations about business. And they would just kind of push me out of my comfort zone. And like, you know, my, my dad, this is another story. I don't usually tell this here, but like I played pool growing up and my dad always taught me, like, you don't want to play with people that are as good as you or not as good as you. You want to play with people that are better than you. And so that's like constantly what my parents were showing me is they were pushing me into these rooms, getting me uncomfortable making sure I was having better conversations that would stimulate my brain and challenge me to think differently. So anyways, I was really interested about learning how to connect with people. If you fast forward five years, I had kind of developed all these strategies and I ended up reaching out to a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, at, and, and what happened is that turned into an incredible relationship where I ended up working with him for three years. We helped add during my time on the team, added over a hundred thousand, um, students to his online courses, 1.5 million downloads to his podcast. I helped grow his YouTube channel. And on top of that, Jonathan got into this group called Genius Network, which if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Genius Network, it's a high-end mastermind. You need to be making at least seven figures per year to be in it. It costs $25,000 a year to attend. There's another level. It's $100,000 a year. Uh, so some really incredible people that are in this group. And Jonathan got in. He said, I want Brandon to come with me too. And so I had this opportunity to be, again, just like my parents did to me when I was 16 years old, the youngest person networking in the room, I was 22 years old when I had the opportunity to be in Genius Network and learn from these incredibly, incredibly successful entrepreneurs. And so there's two main reasons why I tell this story. Reason number one is because 
I truly believe you were always just one connection away. And it's, I've always seen it in my life, whenever I've leveled up to the next level, it's been because somebody stepped into my life and helped give me new insights or new visibility into that next level of growth and thinking in my life. And that's what Jonathan did for me and many other people since then and before that. But if you're listening to this right now, I truly believe you're just one connection away. And the other reason why I tell this story is because if you remember when I went through that lunch checkout line, I was just a kid that just wanted more money. I wanted more resources. And then I had this incredible opportunity to be in a room with multi multi-millionaires learning from some of the world's most successful people. And what I discovered is the fact that you hear this all the time, but it's different when you see it is that sometimes success, having the financial success, all the things in the world, it does not bring you happiness. Mm-hmm. And I saw people that were incredibly financially successful or the people that you would point at and say, Hey, they're successful. And there are really plenty of incredible people in there, but I realized that money does not equal success. And so that is why I'm really excited about this new brand that I created called seven figure millennials, where the mission is to change the global conversation around what success means for an entire generation of entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs to prioritize their happiness, health, and relationships while making their biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. So that's kind of my opening story. If you want to take it from anywhere, we can, we can go from there. But those are the, the main things that brought me to where I am today. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I want to dive into what you're doing now. But before we get there, just to kind of, uh, you know, extract some, some gold that I got out of there, I, just, I find it really interesting because I, all right, so I'm hearing your story here and coming at a, a completely, hopefully unbiased viewpoint. I'm hearing about a kid who is waiting to the back of the line before he's going. And I'm thinking to myself, this is creating negative connections in the mind. This is him conditioning himself or being conditioned by the circumstances to view himself as last, to view himself as behind. And I wonder, does this affect his grades? Does this affect his confidence? Does this affect his relationships? But then within that, I'm hearing that in spite of that, in spite of those those landmines, here's a kid with parents who is kind of giving him a a mentality of resourcefulness that's overcoming that and is giving him a way by which like the key that most people don't learn when they're 12 or 16 or even when they're 30 (laughs) is the value of connections, how important and powerful that is, how much that can be leveraged. So I kind of just want to highlight to people that, you know, some people might have gone about a different path or a certain path that had held them back. But it's clear here, and this is a perfect example of how even in the midst of that, even now, after the fact, there are so many things, so many possible things that can happen where something, including just one connection, clicks into place. And then all of a sudden, the story changes and all of a sudden, the possibilities change. So I wanted to acknowledge that and thank you for bringing it up and kind of like give my impression on on what I heard as you were telling that story. Yeah, thank you. And it's funny because I've been, I've gone on this journey over the past few months really to discover the story. Cause I used to never tell this story. I used to, it was like buried in the recesses of my mind. I didn't want to talk about it. And one of my mentors, Jules, who was a, a common connection, she's like, Hey, this is what made you who you are. And like, there's a, there's another person that I, I I'm very close with. Her name is Dr. Juli LaRocca. And she kind of helped me to understand that like everything in your past is an asset. If you understand how to leverage it correctly, here's another thing that this is, again, this is, this is some things that I used to bury for forever. I had some sexual trauma growing up too. And like that, that right there, me saying that, that you would have never heard me say that three to four months ago. Mm. And I would have never talked about it. But, but because I work with Huli, because I work with Jules, they encourage me to look at the stuff that's happened in my past and really analyze it and put a different meaning behind it and understand what it really meant. And what Huli helped me understand with the whole sexual trauma stuff was the fact that like, I, I felt really wrong when that stuff happened. And so I was constantly looking 
it, it caused me to constantly seek feedback and ask how I could be better because I didn't like what happened to me. And because I want, I wanted to constantly improve. So you have this brewing storm of this kid that was just wanted more resources. They had, I had some stuff that happened even before middle school that I didn't like. And it was just this, this combination of me wanting to constantly get better and have feedback. And then having my parents push me into that spot where I was challenged to get better and better and better. So lots of incredible stuff. If you understand how to look back into your past and leverage it the right way. Right. And your acknowledgement of this is basically an indicator of, you know, for lack of a better word, your transcendence of it, or at least your, your, your conquering of it and moving past it. And, you know, it's, it's clear to me, and I'm making an assumption here that you are taking what you've learned, you're taking these lessons, you're taking these insights, and this is part of the fuel, this is part of the strategy, the insight, mm-hmm. and even the heart and soul that goes into the content that you teach now, whether it's techniques or formulas, or, or even just an overall philosophy. And yeah. with that in mind, I guess I, I want to open the, the floor for you here, like what you're doing right now, is there anything that is like the highest leverage that you kind of like, you love, you, you take pride in hanging your hat on saying like, <laughs> this is one of the favorite things that I do to help my audience or to help my clients or customers. Like what is one of the, the, your favorite things that you're doing right now that really helps people in their growth? Yeah, great question. I think the most valuable thing I could give to your audience is this process that I teach called the magic connection method. And so this is the exact process that I kind of use when I sent that first email to Jonathan, when I was kind of like, feeling like David versus Goliath. Who was I, some college kid that didn't have any experience? How could I reach out to or even add value to somebody like that? And like that, that first email that I sent was the very first time I had kind of used this thing that I call the magic connection method. But since then, I've had the opportunity to work with Jonathan and he had over 100,000 people in his email list. So when I say I've sent millions of emails, it's not that hard to say you sent millions of emails when you're sending 100,000 people at a time. So uh, I've tested lots of different things and this deep passion of learning how to connect with people is just something I've been obsessed with. So I've tested many different approaches and I boiled it down into a three-step process that anybody can use where if you understand this, it could be an email, it could be on Facebook, it could be on LinkedIn. As long as you understand the principles you can leverage these three steps to get the connections that you need, whether that's acquiring more clients, more strategic partnerships, or even open the doors to maybe a mentor relationship that could change your life. That's the magic connection method. So if you want, I can dive into that three-step process. We can go from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, the, the audience is here now. They're probably like, yeah, Andrew, do not move on. Do not segue someplace else. Yeah, let's, uh, let's dig on into this. So I guess we start with uh, step one for this, right? Yes, step one. So Let me start by saying that the first part, the whole goal of the magic connection method is simply to get them to respond to your message. That's it. So keep that in mind because so many people, when they send a message, they'll try to get them to book a call or to visit a website and like people just get lost. So that's, that's not even step one. That's step zero is just understanding that this whole thing is designed to get them to respond, to open the doors to a relationship, right? So the first part is what I call the hook. Now, the biggest mistake that I see people make when they send any kind of outreach in in writing is that they make it 100% about them. I can go through my LinkedIn profile right now, open up 50 to 100 connection requests of somebody saying, hi, my name is Jim and I'm the CEO and founder of blah, blah, blah. And I've done blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and and the, you, you think, you inherently think that if you're reaching out to somebody, you want it, you, you feel like you need to posture yourself. But the thing in reality, it really pushes people away because they don't know why they should care about you yet right? So number one thing is not to do that. So what do you do in a hook? What you do do in the first part in the hook is you make it 100% about them. So 
can you give them a genuine compliment? So some, some, let me, let me reverse some of the highest value things you can say in a hook are one, if you have a mutual connection with them that immediately separates you from all the other people. So if you can go on LinkedIn or find some other way to have common ground with them, that's number two or number one. Um, number two, my other favorite way is like, if they're producing content or something, if you can compliment them and say, Hey, this was so valuable. I really appreciated it. I implemented it. And these are the, this is the results that I got as a result of using your stuff. Who doesn't like receiving a message like that, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we want to open this relationship. So the hook is all about giving them a genuine compliment, showing that you took the time to research. This is not something you can copy and paste to everyone. And that's, that's the beauty of this and why this works is because you're showing that you genuinely care about the person that you're reaching out to. So now, do you want to say something there, Andrew? Or well, I was just going to say, you know, if, if we're still in step one, just to add some insights in there to really couple what you're saying, not only do people not care about you because they don't know you, but you think about this, you're reaching out to someone who's supposedly important in some way, shape or form. And there's supposedly a connection that you want to have, right? That probably means that they're really busy and they don't have time to be reading a long paragraph about you. So more, you know, even in addition to the fact that, you know, why should they care about you? It's like, why would they even have the time or patience to keep reading through a message when the thing that probably helped them get their status was learning how to say no to things that aren't really connecting? So (laughs) I I love your perspective on this. And it's like, listen, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to pay them a compliment. I'm going to get them a connection, which is another way of saying, I'm going to establish a personal connection, even if it's indirectly, right from the get-go, because it sounds to me like you're creating an emotional investment in that very first sentence, which is key when this person is really busy and they're running all over the place. And more so, you're talking about like if you implement something, of course they want to hear it. Because again, people like this don't get where they are by accident. And I've figured out over the years, these people genuinely want to serve if they can. Yeah. They don't want to serve 100,000 people that are that are sapping their energy. But if they find someone that they can really help and mentor in any way, shape, or form, they're gung-ho. So I just want to acknowledge that. And I love yeah. how much that step one, how it covers all those bases so flawlessly. Yeah. And let me ask you, Andrew, do you get sick of reading the reviews? I know you've recently passed a thousand reviews on your on your book. Like, do you ever get sick of reading those incredible reviews? Never, never, <laughs> man. I I always like, and it's funny. It's like, it could be like a really long review, a really short one. There's never a level of impatience because I poured so much heart and soul into my book that I am permanently curious and it's not even about like a curiosity of like i need to feel better about myself yeah it's more just like a wonderful affirmation reminder that this is actually making a difference in the world so i never get tired of hearing about how the book helped in any way shape or form yeah and and because we're on the shadow shadow the mode mold i don't usually um this is something that doesn't really typically come up but because andrew just does such a great job of asking questions one other thing that you can do is if you want to go above and beyond so maybe, maybe Andrew, you're going to get a billion emails. So I apologize if you do this, but if you, if you leave a review right now on the last law of attraction book, you'll ever need to read, take a screenshot of that review. And if you were to reach out to Andrew, one of the first things you would say is, Hey, Andrew, thank you so much for all the value that you provided. This is all the results that I got. In fact, here's a screenshot of a five-star review. Thank you so much. It's like, that's a hook right there. It's yes. just like, he's smiling right now. If you're not listening to this right now, that, like that <laughs> imagine receiving that email, it feels so different than if somebody had just said, my name is Brandon Fong and I've done X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to like why you're, you're transitioning to them. So that's the power of the hook is it, it really yeah. just sets the tone for the rest of the communication. And just to speak to the deeper insight that you automatically inserted there, whether you realize it or not, a lot of times the Amazon reviews, people leave them and they haven't updated their profile or anything. So it's like a mystery person. Like, I don't even know who it is. Sure. If I see that review and I'm putting a name with the thing. It's like, it's a deeper connection right then and yeah. there. Cause like even one, I, someone left one a couple of days ago, it said U.S. account. 
I would love to personally thank that person by name. And I am going to respond to that in the Amazon site, as long as that, uh, that part becomes functional or stays functional, because they were talking about discontinuing it. But yeah, like I, that stuff, you're right, it makes a huge difference and a huge impact, because it's just a, it's a more visceral way of demonstrating that you received some kind of benefit from it. So of course I'm going to notice. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm tempted because we're just going deep here and this, this is maybe I could do a whole training on just one day of the hook, but like the more you can show that you're investing in the relationship ahead of time, the better. So it's like, it's, you know, if you really wanted to level it up, you could, you could show that you went above and beyond and you said, Hey, I even bought a few copies of your book to my friends or like something like that. Or like I shared this on my social media. Here's another screenshot of me sharing it on my social media to show how much I care about it. So those are just a few other ways. I'm not saying to do all of these because there is a point where you start getting really weird, right? Like, like we want, we want just one to three sentence, genuine connection. There's, I, I call it like, I don't know if this is even the right way of saying it, but I've been calling it like the serial killer line, right? Like it's cool when cool when somebody's just getting to know you, but when they start stalking you and they write you a paragraph about how cool <laughs> you are, that starts getting kind of creepy. So we don't want to cross that path. It's just one to three sentences in this hook showing that we invested in the relationship and that we really care about them. That's the goal there. <laughs> and, and thank you for making that clarification because sometimes you and me both, we love to over deliver on value. So we'll say 10 things and sometimes certain people need to hear, don't do all 10 things back to back. Right. Pick and choose one or two and cherry pick them and make that your difference maker yeah exactly so don't cross the serial killer line you know what that's i'll tell you man if, if i was ever writing a book about that stuff that would definitely go in it but i'd have, okay, to, right. have to give you credit on it <laughs> yeah yeah i'll make sure i'll maybe i'll explore on that when i do the next version of my book <laughs> honestly dude that might be a book in and of itself for you but don't let's cr- um moving on <laughs> step number two we got to get to the next part right yeah what? yeah so so after the, the, the genuine compliment that you gave them, I'll usually kind of toss in like a transitionary line, like besides wanting to share that with you, I do have a quick question. So that's, that's kind of an in-between thing. But the next part that we move into is called the irresistible offer. So there's this quote by Dean Jackson that it talks about how a compelling argument is 10 times more powerful than, or sorry, a, a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. So the whole goal here is we're getting people to lean in. So now that we've established trust with them in the hook, the next part is that we want to show them that we can add a lot of value to them. So that's where it comes into crafting an irresistible offer for them. So some examples of an irresistible offer are, uh, the example I like to give is, have you ever, Andrew, seen those ads for those uh, companies that are selling mattresses online? Mm -hmm. So like, this is a perfect example of like an irresistible offer because look at your two alternatives. Option one, you can go into a store fully clothed with your jacket and your shoes on and try this mattress to determine if you're going to sleep the, a third of your life on this thing for the next few years and invest however much money. And that's like option number one or option number two, the irresistible offer that these online mattress companies have created are like, Hey, we will ship you this mattress. You can try it 100 nights in your own home, sleeping in your comfy PJs. And then if you don't like it, you can return it. No, no, you know, no bad things would, would happen as a result of that. It's so like, yeah, that's no harm, no foul. Yeah, exactly. That's an irresistible offer is like, wow, okay, that's incredible. It's, a, it's very valuable for me. So that's the level that we want to get to with these emails is like, how can we create something that really makes them interested and want to lean in? So I'll give you a more applicable example. That first email that I ever sent to Jonathan, right? When I was connecting with him, when I was just a college kid, who was I to connect with this successful entrepreneur? The first email I ever sent to him was I had been doing a whole bunch of research on his company. I'd been in his email list. I'd been listening to his podcast. I'd been consuming his content. And so when I sent that first email, I was like, Hey, Jonathan, over the past few months, I've been taking meticulous notes on X, Y, and Z. And I found a bunch of different ways that I could add value to you on, uh, you know, by helping improve whatever processes it was. And I don't want to be paid for it. I want to do it 100% for free. And if you don't like my work, 
no worries that we can just part our separate ways. Uh, but if you do like my work, then maybe it would be a good opportunity to have a conversation about how I could help even more. So like that was another irresistible offer that I created. So I'm not saying that you have to work for free for people, but like get in the mind of the person that you're reaching out to. What is valuable for them? What could you do to show that you want to invest in the relationship and make it super easy for them to say yes to this? Yeah. Offer? Now, I have a question about this, Brandon, because like yep. what I'm thinking and I sometimes I think 20 steps ahead and I don't even know if that's the right move. <laughs> I'm wondering if it might be a thing where you say like, listen, I've got a bunch of I've got like 10 ideas off the top of my head, but I know you're busy. I didn't want to stuff them all in this email. Would you like me to send them to you? Is that an appropriate irresistible offer or or am I going off in some wrong direction? No, no, no. You're you're definitely in the right spot because you have to think and you're diving into the nuances here, which is really, really good. Because what I realized is that you can, again, just like this crossing the serial killer line, you could overwhelm someone. Like they might not even have time to take on free work, right? Like that could be like, hey, I I have people I'm paying 200 grand a year to do this kind of stuff. Like I don't have time for some free person to come on and do this. So it it depends on who you're reaching out to. But I will say that what I've found for the irresistible offer, it needs to be something tangible and like a really nice segue, easy step into the relationship. So I'll give Mm -hmm. an example. I've been getting on lots of podcasts lately. And so one of the things I I do, I think about from the perspective of a podcast host, what do they want? They want good content that can provide good value to their guests. And they don't want to have to worry about, uh, you know, the the topics that are going to be discussed. So like one of the things I would say when I would reach out to a podcast host is like, I already did some of the legwork for you. And I came up with three topic ideas that would, would be relevant for your audience, along with how I'm going to promote the show once it comes out to my audience so that you, your audience can grow. And I even have a gift for your audience if you'd be interested in me giving that to you as well. So like that shows that I did work ahead of time. I thought from the perspective of a podcast host, they want their show to grow. They want to know that I'm going to promote the show afterwards and they want to know that there's good content out there. And so uh, what I'll say is I said all those things and I say, I put it together in a Google doc for you. And like, so like that, so now they know that there's a tangible thing that I can send them for them to check out. And it's a really low level barrier to entry for them to check out it's not like hey i wrote this book for you to for you to read it's like they know they're going to get it like a pretty concise google doc with the ideas that i had that they're going to receive so you're right you're spot on with that and and getting into the nuance just a little bit further on that one it's also part of the thing where again just like you're describing in in many ways we're we're crawling into the head not only this person but of the human condition and knowing that a person might be busy and when they click that email they open it up you don't want them to see a novel, even if the novel is actually useful for them because it right. might intimidate them. They're like, eh, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to hold this off to later. And, and later means never because it's not that they intend to blow you off, but then all these other emails come in. So I'm making an assumption. I invite you to correct me if I'm wrong. That part of this is like when they click and open that message, they almost want to see that the message in and of itself is consumable on their screen yes. and not feel like their time is going to be wasted by even investing and reading the first sentence. 100%. Yeah. So like, copywriting principles, short, concise sentences, make it easy to read. Don't use big words. Like those are, those are all small, like it should take less than 60 seconds to read or one thumb on one thumb scroll on a mobile device. So like the moment that you start writing a paragraph, you need to figure out how to make it more concise. And, and, you know, so these are, these are the things that I've learned as a copywriter s- sending emails to hundreds of thousands of people, but it, it takes time. I don't want to intimidate people because it's not it's not as hard as, as, as soon as you get going, but if you get into the practice of writing these, it gets a lot easier over time. Yeah. And it's worth the work. Like even just a month of doing this, you refine your message and a month later, you're like, I'm so glad, even if I probably botched one or two things without realizing it in a couple of messages, I'm so glad that I went through the effort of making those connections, reaching out. I did hear back from people and I learned so much along the way. And now I'm at a much higher level 
and can be way more efficient and powerful in my connecting. Yep. A hundred percent. Awesome. So this brings us to step three, if I'm not mistaken, right? Step three. Yeah. Step three is the easiest step. You don't have to do almost any thinking for this. So remember in the very beginning, the whole goal is to get them to respond. So let's rewind back where we are now. We showed that we cared about them with the hook. We create, we showed that we have something very, very valuable for them that they know that they want to receive. Now, the last part is just to get them to respond to this email. So what I used to do is I used to write something like, are you interested, right? Cause like it's following the irresistible offer. Like basically if you want to hear more about this and that does work, but then I read the book called never split the difference by Chris Voss. And if you haven't heard it, one of my favorite books, I love the audio book. That's why I said heard, but if you haven't read or heard never split the difference, fantastic book. But Great if book. you are listening to this and you don't know what it is, Chris Voss was an ex FBI hostage negotiator. So this is the dude that's on the phone when there's a lunatic in the basement of a bank with several million dollars and like five hostages. And he's trying to talk this guy down from not blowing up the building. What do you say? So he has all these crazy negotiation strategies that he's developed over the years in these crazy contexts. But one of my favorite takeaways from the book is this concept of a no oriented question. And the the way that I like to explain a no oriented question is that every single day we have a finite amount of yeses that we can give in a day, right? Because what does that mean? Whenever you say yes to something, it means you're giving away your time It means you're giving away your energy. It means you're giving away something if you say yes to it, right? And so inherently, if you look at the exact opposite of that, saying no makes us feel safe. It makes us feel secure. It makes us feel in control. So the no-oriented question is simply taking what would be a yes-oriented question and just making it so that their gut reaction to responding to that question is actually no. So instead of, are you interested We'll go back to my example before me putting together a Google Doc for podcast host. Would you be opposed to me sending you that Google Doc for you to check out? Mm. And then don't, don't put anything else after the question mark. It's just, would you be opposed to me sending you that Google Doc for you to check out? So now instead of me saying, hey, Andrew, are you interested? Here's this Google Doc that I want to send to you. It's now like in Andrew's hands. Like, like, would it be a bad idea for me to check this out? No, it's not that hard. It's probably just a doc to check out. It's probably, it's valuable from what he's described. And so it's easy for them to say yes. So now look at the effort that they have to take to respond to this email. It's very clear what they're supposed to do is simply respond. Yeah, send it over. Like, that's it. They don't have to say anything else. And it opens the doors to these relationships. And if you engineer the way that you're sending this doc over, you can then leverage that to open the doors to a conversation, which can lead to however you want it to go. I love it. I love it. And you know, it's, it becomes a a thing where that's perfectly worded and people also might tinker and try to find ways of wording it where the yes becomes even more automatic. Like there's always, this is like a living, breathing thing Mm -hmm. where people, first of all, everything you just gave is, is basically the whole thing. Like you will never need another thing, but also this is something where people can inject a style or flavor of their own if they speak in a certain way if they have a certain yep. hook or a certain way of, of doing things like for, for me i remember i connected with one person a couple months ago and i had learned that for him he even said it in an interview the way to connect with me is if you say hi and you send me some kind of video content showing like your best your, your best self or your best content or something and i basically said hey you know given that you asked for this i'm i've listened and here check this out now you know strategically speaking that isn't fit in with your formula it isn't perfect but for him it was exactly what he asked for so it gave him everything so it can fit into the formula so again i appreciate that you're you're encouraging people to adapt it to how it could be most effective for them because another way you could do it is like hey andrew i put together a customized video for you Mm. on on all these different options or ideas would you be opposed to me sending the video for you to check out so like 
the reason why I don't like sending the doc or the video is because by them responding, it shows that they're leaning in. It shows that they're interested. And then it opens a dialogue. Whereas like if you sent the Google doc and they didn't care about it, or if you sent the video and they didn't care about it, they could click, not click, not open. And then you never hear from them again. So yes. like by, by the fact that you're getting them to respond, it shows that they're engaged. It shows that they're interested and it opens the door to you leading to a conversation. So yeah, the, the video works really well. And it's funny on the knowing question, I was on a podcast and somebody mentioned a nuance that I didn't even realize that was I thought was in, cool to point out is the fact that when people are in their inbox, they're already kind of thinking about they're in the no mood, right? They're deleting stuff. They're archiving stuff. They're like, Oh, this is annoying. They're getting rid of it. So like, that's kind of the mindset that people are in when they're checking their email. And so by you saying a no oriented question, it actually kind of fits with the general mindset that they're in is like uh, of saying no to things. And it just kind of slips right in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to get like too lost in the weeds here, because honestly, I can probably talk to you about this for 10 hours. Um, <laughs> the question about this, given that this is an email reach out oftentimes, um, do you have a formula structure for the subject heading? And after you get the response, do you change the subject heading at all? Or you just have the like regarding and you keep the thread going? So yeah, so question for you there. Yeah, great, great two questions. For the subject line, it's very hard to give a blanket response to a subject line. What I typically encourage people to do is to look at your irresistible offer and create a very, very, very condensed version of the irresistible offer that goes into the subject line. Because uh, that you want to show from the second that they look at it, that there's something that they can get as a result of them opening or responding to this email. So yeah. that's what I encourage people to do. To answer your second question, I usually do just reply. So I keep the thread open. Uh, and that's that's very important. And then um, the other important new thing here, and again, we can, we can switch topics if this isn't relevant. The other thing I want to make sure to let people know is that typically the majority of your responses actually come from the follow-ups, you know? Mm. So like the first message that you send, people are busy. They might see it. They might be interested and they might just not respond. So like, don't get discouraged if people don't respond right away. If you genuinely follow up, uh, in a, in a way that shows that you're adding value and that you're not just trying to bug them about it, they will respond. So like a, an email I'll send maybe four or five days later, it's like, Hey, Andrew, hope you've been doing fantastic. I'm just bumping this to the top of your inbox in case it got lost in cyberspace. Have right. a great day or something like Does that. Does it have like the original subject heading? Is it the same subject heading? It's like the how same. You... Repl it's the same. Re you're replying to the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so like, it's just to the same thread. It's not a new email. Um, and then uh, like another, you can toss in another no oriented question. This works really well for me. Like seven days later, what I'll do sometimes is like, Hey, Andrew, are you, uh, you know, you must be very busy right now are you not the right person to talk to about this? So that's a no oriented question because now look at how Andrew, how, how he would respond to that is if he was the right person to respond to it, his gut reaction would be like, no, I am the right person. I'm sorry. I've been super busy. And if he wasn't, maybe, maybe I was emailing the wrong person. Like that's why they weren't responding. But um, so that would be a good opportunity for him to be like, no, I, 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 you're right. I am not the right person. Here's another person for you to talk to. So lots yeah. of ways that you can go about the follow-ups as well. You know, Brandon, I was I was just too excited to talk to you about this, so I never said no to anything. I should have just like held back for a month and watched you do your best work on me, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah, I could have learned all this that way, right? <laughs> cool. So this is awesome. Um what I love about this also, your answer to that question is, you know, you don't change the subject heading because ideally, again, the subject heading in and of itself is memorable, standing out amongst the crowd anyway. So you want to kind of lean on that. And I wonder, like, even hearing, like, you know, someone wrote something to me, it's like, you know, I loved XYZ video, and that's why I'm sending you this. Or your book was awesome, and it got me thinking you might want this. And it's almost like kind of like a tease of, like, let me open this up. Does that kind of fit in with how you might take the approach? Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Um, 
I think you're spot on. I don't really know if I'd add anything else to it. Like, again, it's just a consolidation of the irresistible offer and showing that they can get something as a result of opening the email. So you're spot on. Got it. And just, you know, for people listening, not that you need this. You don't want to take five years of study or 10 years of study before doing this. But if you have studied copywriting at all, or you can, like you read a book about it, I would say that will probably inform on your sentence structure and your ability to really you know, concisely put forth a message that's going to elicit that curiosity and elicit that gratitude from them and get the conversation going. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I'm, I'm probably going longer than I want to hear, man, but this is so uh, intriguing. Um, For people that don't know what I know about you is you're, you're a huge value giver. So I guess, you know, not to take us down another like 30 minute conversation, but was there anything else that you think is good that's valuable given my audience that you wanted to share about like what you do with people? You know, it, entrepreneurship and all this kind of stuff is a journey. So I'm on, constantly learning and I'm evolving, but I, the things that will not change is that the, you know, the mission of the seven figure millennials is inspiring millennial entrepreneurs to prioritize their happiness, health and relationships. And it's funny because like this year I've been focusing more on the less on the business tactics and more looking inward. Like what makes me happy? How can I stay more present? Because as entrepreneurs, it's really easy to focus on outcomes, right? Like it's really easy to focus on seven figures or whatever. But even if you talk to really successful entrepreneurs that have achieved everything, they always say that the happiness was when they were actually doing the thing, right? So like, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this right now and you're, you're striving for a very big goal, what the tendency is, and Dan Sullivan has a concept called the gain versus the gap. The tendency is to measure yourself against how far you have to go, right? But the problem is that even if you reach that achievement, it's just going to be pushed back because you're going to set another goal. And so you have this constant feeling of not feeling like you're enough. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're, you're somebody that is making an impact on the world, you're doing really good things, I encourage you to turn around and look backwards. Look at the progress that you've made because that is where happiness is. It's in the moment, it's in the presence, and it's understanding the progress that you've made. And trusting in the process and falling in love with the process is so much more powerful than falling in love with outcomes because really at the end of the day, it's just today. It's what's happening right now. It's this exact moment of me talking to Andrew. I'm just having a good time. This is happiness right here. And so I would just encourage anybody that's listening is to, to consider that and to make sure that you're not tying your out, your, your happiness to external things, but rather just what's going on right now and being grateful for it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really great insight because I think entrepreneurs, they, whether they want to or not, and whether they realize it or not, um, most of them are constantly walking this fine line of how far can I have the carrot on the stick to drive me to keep doing stuff, but how close can I keep it or how much gratitude can I have to still be fulfilled right now in this moment without feeling like I have to wait to reach the carrot. And it becomes like this never have any balance. So I love this extra perspective that you're sharing with my audience. Cause I think it's really highly valuable. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, again, I mean, I know I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I'm sure a lot of people are also if people want to get in touch with you, Brandon, like what is the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So you can, I'm building a new seven figure millennial site. I, I recently launched the seven figure millennials podcast. Uh, so there's no site for it, but it's available on any audio platform, wherever you're listening to this right now, if you just search seven figure millennials, you'll find that I have, I, and the whole goal is what I've been talking about, about prioritizing your happiness, health and relationships. So if you want to learn from entrepreneurs that have been able to do that, that are really heart centered, impact driven entrepreneurs, providing diverse perspectives, that's a way that you can continue to listen 
in on that kind of content. Uh, you can also just check out my site, brandon-fong.com. Some other Brandon Fong bought the, the version of my domain without the dash in it. <laughs> Don't so, you hate that? It's, <laughs> so it's brandon-fong. Uh, there's that. And then Andrew, I, I apologize. I should have asked this before we started recording, but I did put together a gift for your audience. Is that okay if I tell them about that? Hell yeah. I never say no to gifts for my audience. They would okay, kill me. All right. So, um, so what I can do for you guys is for these magic connection method emails, I know that they work. And one of the things that I thought to myself was what would be the most valuable thing that I could give to your audience. And I thought, well, what if I just wrote some emails for you? So you can kind of see exactly how to do it and you can copy and paste it and modify it for that. So I put together this thing that I call automatic emails. And if your audience wants to grab that, there's, there's hundred percent for free. This is something I'm selling right now. But, um, if you go to bfo.ng slash mold, M O L D. I believe it's how you, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be, not that, uh, anyways, bfo.ng slash mold. And you can go there. It'll take you to a page where you can get the automatic emails. Um, and then if you do want to find out more about the magic connection method, there is a, I did write the, uh, a book on it. And then, uh, the, the coupon code that I give to my audience, if you want to unlock a whole bunch of other bonuses is just use the coupon code seven FM. If you decide to uh, just grab your copy of the magic connection method, it's only seven bucks. I'm not here to make money off of it. It's more of giving back to you guys and making sure that you can have this power of developing these powerful connections. So those two things, grab the automatic emails, bfo.ng slash mold. And then if you want to use the coupon code seven FM, when you grab the magic connection method, that'll unlock a whole bunch of other goodies for your audience. Awesome. And what I'm going to do is on shatter the mold podcast to throw even more addresses at people here. I'm going to list out all these links and all this information, including the code. That way people, um, if they're trying to write it down real fast, they don't have to worry about that. They'll just get it on your episode link. I'll also put it in the YouTube description when I post this video. Uh, Brandon, before I let you go, any final parting thoughts that you might want to share with the audience? You know, I just want to encourage people and say you're only one connection away. I always believe that, that you are just one connection away from the next level in your growth, in your business, whatever it is. And the more that you realize that and the more that you understand that the true growth relies on having powerful relationships, the more doors will open for you. I love it. And even though that is as great a way to to walk away from this as possible, I'm just being pulled to ask you, man, just given what you've been through in your life and all that you've learned, if you can go back five, 10, 15, even 20 years in the past to (laughs) an earlier version of Brandon and give him one piece of advice, what's the one piece that you would make sure to give him? You know, it's funny because like, I don't know if I'd give myself any advice because it's like, I, I'm just so grateful for the way things have turned out. Um, so I would just, if I were to, I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't give advice, but I would just say you're on the right path and just trust that things are going to work and keep doing the, keep doing what you're doing. And it's funny because you know, we're recording this in the very, very beginning of 2021. I had just done a reflection of 2020 and just it, like, it's just crazy to see who I was a year ago and a year before that. Cause I've been journaling for, you know, since I was in high school and it's just crazy to see that evolution. So to answer that question, I wouldn't give myself advice. I would just encourage myself to continue on the path that I was already heading. I love that perspective, my friend. Brandon, this has been so valuable. I, I really appreciate all this this insight and really wisdom that you're given. And, and obviously people know this has been hard-fought wisdom that people are basically getting to use and implement and stand on your shoulders, the <laughs> giant that is Brandon Fong. So thank you so much for, for sharing this content. And um, I'm really sure that my audience is going to love using this and, and helping it, them and growing their business. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been a blast. 
Thank you again, Brandon. That was awesome. Guys, you definitely want to check out the links that I'm leaving in either the YouTube description if you're checking this out on video or at ShatteredAmoldPodcast.com where this specific episode resides. Uh, again, obviously, you can tell that Brandon really is the real deal. He really knows his stuff, and you've got a lot that you can learn from him. And, of course, I want to quickly remind you, if you've not done so already, now's the time to pull out your phone, hit that subscribe button. While you're at it, leave a quick, honest, written review. And don't forget, if you want to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, you can just head on over to lastlawofattractionbook.com, or you can check out the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Cap. With that said, that's all I've got for you today, guys, but we've got some more awesome guests on the way soon. So stay tuned for that. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.